Let's go already. What's your rush? I'm sick of waiting. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? How are you? Better now. Better Better and better. Better. Getting better every day. Yes. I had a cold. A wicked cold. I would say even a freeze. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was really just sick enough to be miserable. And yeah. I do appreciate all of the, you know, help you put in with okay. the baby. All right, fine. Well, I know, slept. That sounds a little condescending. Well, okay. <laughs> I really did help. That wasn't that wasn't Re- passive. No, you really did help, and I really did sleep. I think one of those days I slept probably eighteen out of twenty four hours. Yeah, thereabouts. You were you were you were legit sick. You I know? needed it, you know. Um, and so it has inspired us to discuss. Sickness. Right. I don't know why that was so dramatic. <laughs> um, and you know, this was an interesting, because I, I would say that, okay, I would say that to to kind of frame this better. Okay. When we're talking about sickness, and I don't know your notes, but just based off of like the questions we got and what I think we're going to focus on is this is more like, um, I'm not going to say mild, but this is not like hospital etiquette. Right. This is more, sorry about my Ricola. Still getting over it. Don't want to cough in the microphone. We all appreciate it. Um, This is more about seasonal sicknesses, I would say. Um, not necessarily like n- chronic right, or not, severe. N- not chronic or severe. Although the flu and, and can become severe. And please see your doctor if you are afraid that you have a, uh, a terrible flu. But I, I would say that like, you know, I don't want us to be thinking in terms of like a cold and somebody listening who has a much more severe and chronic illness be like, but I can't do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this this is more something that would apply to somebody who is like, oh, I am sick for a couple days. What do I do during those days? Right. I would probably uh, lump into there like. Uh, Allergies? Mm, probably. If they are severe allergies in the way of not food allergies, but like pollen, dust, mold, think hay fever, things like that. And um, probably like food poisoning. Okay. Right. Things that you you will get over eventually, but you you don't like it. You're sick. Yeah. I don't know that there are many illnesses that people like having. I don't, mm, hmm, no, I can't think of any off the top of my head. So how did sickness start, Teresa? What did it start about in the 1700s? When did people start getting sick, I guess is what I'm asking. Was it the the bubonic plague? Uh, before that. The What was it before that? The the abonic plague? No. Get it because it's alphabet? Right, get it. Before that. Um, like would, 1400s? Would you believe, Travis? That people have always been getting sick? No. Yes. No. What? 
people have always been getting food poisoning. <laughs> That's actually probably true. Probably. Um, but pe- people have always been getting sick. Um, there are different sort of, I wouldn't say causes, but I would say circumstances surrounding people getting sick. Like how are your humors? Uh, maybe it's demons. Um, maybe it's like an old bit of beef for an undigested piece of potato, <laughs> or maybe you've just been too dry an environment, or environment is a factor. Maybe your uterus has moved. Oh boy, um, that's what that's what hysteria literally. What I'm not being weird. They used to believe that hysteria literally meant that the person's uterus was moving around and making them, uh, making them ill. It's. It's, of course, ridiculous. That's not how that works. But anyways. Environment can be a factor in the way of if you are from one area and you move to another area, you will bring with you uh, immunities and you will not be as immune to diseases of that new area. That's why you got to eat the honey. I have been told that in order to help with allergies, it does help to eat local honey. Don't know if that's true or not, but Don't we know. just like honey, so it doesn't hurt. Honey's delicious anyway. Um, so sometimes what happens is people, well, people get sick, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And there has always been, <laughs> there's always been this kind of why? Why do people get sick? And maybe you're like me, and maybe you listen to Sawbones. Do you Which, know this show? Yeah, you should. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> oh, were you asking the audience, was, or were you asking me? I was doing a bit. A a bit. A bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's try it again. Sawbones. Do you know that show? Sawbones. No. Tell me more. <laughs> well, it's a medical history comedy podcast. Okay. It sounds. It's starting to sound familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and um, several of the episodes have been about different things that make people sick and different ways people thought that they were getting sick. Um, One of the most interesting ones is about germ theory. Uh So when we think of germs, we think, oh, no brainer, tiny little organisms that invade your body and make you sick. They can be viral or bacterial, sometimes parasitical. Is that a word? Sure. Um, but germ- Anything's a word if you say it confidently enough. <laughs> germ theory is not really that old. It was, it was widely accepted only really in the 19th century, so the mid-1800s. Did we actually see and believe and understand the idea that germs make us sick. And even then, if I remember correctly from my sawbones, it's not like suddenly it all made sense because then everybody was like, oh, okay, so it's a germ. So like you would get allergies and people were like, must have a germ. And you get food poisoning. People are like, oh, you got a bad germ. Right, right. <laughs> oh, you got a bad case of the germs, my friends. <laughs> um, and so before that, the prevailing theory was this idea of miasma. Which we might as well have just said, like, we don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> it, well, it was, I mean, in a mystery in the way of miasma meant, like, bad air. Yeah. Um. So, like, anything that was foul-smelling, uh, not necessarily dirty, but maybe rotten, because hygiene really wasn't as prevalent an idea as it is today. 
um, overcrowded conditions, um, communal housing, again, overcrowdedly. Um, sewage. Sewage, right? Not really understanding how contamination works as far as sewage goes. So, Or how sterilization works for that matter. Right? I mean, we've talked before or on the show. Or even really what sterilization is. We've talked before on the show about how like water was just completely undrinkable for a long time. So people just drank alcohol and they didn't know that they were sterilizing the alcohol when they, you know, heated it up to a certain, te- a certain temperature. But that's what was happening. And it's also why, speaking of, like, miasma and smells and stuff, if you ever see, and occasionally I see this in, like, historical period dramas, but I know this from, like, Shakespeare stuff, people walking around carrying, like, an orange or some kind of, like, uh, a citrus fruit with, like, cloves stuck in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't just, like, air freshener. It was literally, like, well, I'm smelling good air, so that I'm I'm healthier. I'm safe. I, it, it was like wearing a surgeon's mask. Like, this is protecting me from the uh, infection because I'm breathing in this good smelling stuff. Right. So some of the ways that people prevented themselves, quotes, prevented themselves from getting ill is to do things like wear perfume. Well, then that's not how that works. Right. And they would often wear that perfume to cover the fact that it had been weeks since they bathed. Or or, maybe never. Or months or once a year. Um. I mean, bathing was another thing that was considered dangerous for a very long time. Um, But like, so perfume, like I said, uh, and then you mentioned at the beginning, demons were often blamed for sickness. So people would buy up things like amulets and talismans. And relics to try and keep themselves from getting sick. And you know what? You can scoff at that now, but we still say God bless you and gesundheit and, you know, that kind of thing when people sneeze and cough. And that's all superstitious stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, like, blessing someone when they sneeze or cough, that has to do with, like, demons, you know? And, you know, it's stuff that I have to imagine, because I know this from Sawbones, it's really easy now to hear this, these, like, this is what they used to do, and scoff at it. But there also was probably a lot of, like, they didn't have a lot of time to sit and think about why they were sick. You know, especially when we're talking about, like, the poorer classes. Where it's like, yeah, but they also were working, like, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. So, like, probably somebody was just like, it's demons. And they're like, okay, cool. I don't care what it is. <laughs> it's just, I just feel like crap. And so, if... if- the idea of being sick was because of demons or some sort of sin. One way people kept themselves from getting sick was self-flagellation. So repentance. Well, it's a good and... way to go blind. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just a little joke. Don't explain that, parents. No, you. it was whipping yourself. Right. Um, this idea that you had done something bad. And so whoever the deity was this was true in roman and greek times and also in heavily christian areas things like that whoever the deity was was punishing you so you had to atone for whatever it is you've done and if you would atone you would either stay uh stay healthy or you would um not you would be healed one of the I, I joked about it at the beginning, but one of the weirder ones is the humors to me. And Justin mm-hmm. has commented this on Sawbones, too. They did a whole episode about the humors. But it seems so testable. <laughs> like, oh, well, you feel that way. So the four humors, in case you didn't know, 
were uh, blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. Mm-hmm. And basically, depending on the balance of your humors, that's what would make you sick. And they would literally believe like spicy foods, for example, would increase your amount of blood. And that was like the blood was like the the hot blooded, you know, it, where we get the term hot blooded from. So like angry or a fever, you know, that's why you would bleed someone, right? To try to like balance the humors or you would eat more of this food or drink more water or throw up or whatever. Well, and then, and then again, this idea of the humors meant that you have brought this sickness on yourself. You ate the wrong foods, you wore the wrong clothes, you slept in the wrong side of the bed, like all this kind of stuff. The idea was there wasn't a force outside that was doing it. It was your fault. Um, and it's not. No, that's, uh, that's so not how illness. A couple I mean, of, I, I, how recently did people be told by their parents growing up, like, well, you can't go outside with wet hair mm-hmm. or you'll get the flu. And it's like, I don't think that's how that works. It isn't. It's probably not a good idea to go outside with wet hair because it's just bad for your scalp and hair and stuff. You'll you be sh- cold. You, and you should dry your hair thoroughly. I'll say it's bad for your scalp. It dries out your scalp. I know it doesn't make sense, but having water. Same with uh, people with beards. You got to dry out your beard because you just let the water there dry and evaporate naturally. It dries out your skin. You got, this is a, a blow dryer is your best friend. I'm just saying <laughs> everybody should have a blow dryer. Um, and don't let water set against your skin. Okay. Anyways. Anyway. Um, and this is uh, the humors, like you said, is one way that people would try and ward off illness. Uh, a couple of my favorites um, during the bubonic plague, one of the ways that it was reported that you could stay healthy was to sit between two roaring fires. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. How that would work. And it seems highly testable. Um, but since it it was an infection, maybe the heat killed off the infection in well, the air? Well, and also maybe I don't they know. had chills and so it like made them feel better. I That's don't know. the thing is like sit by a fire, you feel better and it feels like it's doing something. You know, you get that warmth on your skin. It's like taking a hot shower. It might not do anything for you, but it feels good. Yeah, know? I'm not sure. Um, another one of my favorites was um, cutting up onions and placing them around the room what? or in your socks or things like that. This had to do with this this idea of the bad air, right? So that the um, the sickness would be drawn towards the onion and away from you, right? It draws it out, this bad air. Um and the idea of the onions was really pervasive in a lot of my research. It was just like, yep, put the good smelling stuff on yourself, put the onions across the room and the sickness will go there. That is actually how that works. It turns out scientifically. Nope. No. It's, oh, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Not you got to rub the onion on yourself mm-hmm. and that pulls it out. Like nope. a mac- No. Onions don't do, don't do anything. You have to bite into the onion, chew it up, and then spit it out and the illness goes with it. I don't think so. I think that's it. I'm going to have to call Adam Savage real quick and ask him. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Not because he's a doctor. I guess I could ask Sydney. That would probably make a lot more sense, huh? Um, so, that's a lot about that. Let's talk about like etiquette wise speaking of adam savage okay 
Uh, there is a the etiquette of Adam Savage. <laughs> There's a fantastic episode of MythBusters, um, where not only do they talk about the idea of blowing your nose into a tissue, into a handkerchief, in uh, sneezing into your elbow, things like that. But there's a really great segment that they do where they have a kind of fake party, right? And they've rigged up on Adam a little uh, a, a kind of a dripping nose, right? Through a tube and things. And in the first situation, he's not doing anything to to keep the drips to himself, right? Yeah, he's not actively, like, being careful. But he's also not, like, purposefully wiping snot and then rubbing it on someone's right. face. Or but he's he just is, acting normally. He is acting normally using... I think he even uses a tissue or a handkerchief. But then he does things like pass out pens and pass out food and shake people's hands and things like that. And you can tell by the end that... Even when he wasn't trying to spread whatever it was that he was dripping, it was everywhere. They do like a black light reveal at the end, and you can see the liquid is uh, from the dripping nose is black light uh, reactive, and you can see it's everywhere. Right. So the second situation that they do, it's amazing. And he's just a little more careful. Like he's, he doesn't shake hands; he kind of rubs elbows. Right. He has someone else hand out the pens. He mm-hmm. has someone else hand out the silverware. He has someone else dish out the food. And he's still completely present at the party situation that they are faking. Um, He is still, you know, really nice to everyone. I would say that that is the epitome of sickness etiquette. I'm not saying that he's like an etiquette expert. I'm saying that that behavior is what is expected of you if you need to be in a social situation while you're ill. Just a little bit of conscientiousness there makes the difference. It's not like he's, you know, walled himself off in like some kind of protective bubble or wearing like he's just a little bit aware of his behavior and it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Uh, I think Carrie in the same episode shares some of her um, habits that she has to try and not be the receiver of germs and such. Uh, and you can look that up. Things like she also doesn't take things from people's hands. She doesn't shake hands uh, in this episode. She wipes off like the pens and things that she receives in her personal napkin. Things like that. So she also does a lot of disease spreading prevention tactics. And I will say um, we have over the last couple of years, this has increased more and more traveled more and more for work to like conventions and conferences and stuff. And I will say in this day and age, I feel like everyone understands the I sorry, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm sick. Like, I don't think that that's a faux pas. Right? I think I if anything, I think it's super appreciated. You know what I mean? Like, OK, thank you. Thank you for not getting me sick. Thank you for not coughing in my face. And, um, you know, I know we all grew up, cover your mouth, and now it is to sneeze and cough into your elbow so that you're not walking around with germs all over your hands that you just sneezed and coughed into. You got to Dracula that, you know what I mean? You got to sleeve it. Sleeve it, you monster. I think that's something (laughs) from my brother and my brother and me that I can't remember. Um, What else? What are some other... And once again, this is coming from the point of view of if you are the sick E. I mean, there's always stuff like 
you know, bringing stuff to people to make them feel better or calling someone to check on them. All of that is very nice if you are the uh, the non-sick party. Right. And I would recommend that if you plan to visit someone who is ill, um, that you ask them first. They might not be up to seeing visitors, so a text um, or an email or whatever is always nice. And then don't say something like, what can I do for you? Because that kind of places on them the onus of thinking up something for you to do. Um, but if you say, I'm going to bring you soup. Um, and I think that's, in general, we had this kind of question a lot um, as far as like, and we'll get to other questions here in a second, but as far as like withdrawing yourself from a social engagement because you are sick, I think people understand that. I think that, once again, I think we talked about this, maybe not last episode, but a couple episodes ago, Give as much notice as you can. Absolutely. It, with social engagements and with work, um, this, when you start to feel ill is when you need to start the ball rolling um, instead of last minute. Because then I think that a couple of the questions were like, I don't want to seem flaky. The more last minute you give an excuse of I'm sick even if you really are sick, the more flaky it seems. Okay, we're going to talk more about this in a second. But first, let's go do some thank you notes. This week, we want to say a special thank you note to our sponsors. We're sponsored by Quip, uh, who I think we've talked about before. But if we haven't, it's time for you to change the way you brush your tooths. And not just one tooth, but all the tooths. You got to brush them, brush them good. We're talking about illness. It's something people don't think about. One, one of the best ways to prevent illness, keep uh, keep your chompers clean. Um, and, you know, listen, if we're all honest with ourselves, we probably don't brush our teeth for the recommended two minutes twice a day. I mean, really, like, two minutes is so long. And twice a day when there's so much candy to eat, here's the thing. No matter how much you already think you can, there's always room to upgrade your dental health uh, regimen. Uh, Quip is a new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into an ultra-slim design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes. And it comes with a mount that goes right on your mirror so it doesn't take up any of your counter space. And you can get new brush heads delivered every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. I love this toothbrush. It has become both my home toothbrush and my travel toothbrush because it's so compact and yet it also gives you the benefits of a vibrating electric toothbrush. Um, so Quip starts at just $25 and right now you can go to getquip.com slash schmanners. That's getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S and you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash schmanners. Go check it out. I don't know if you guys could hear me giggling, but that intro was full of the good goofs. Oh, thank you. I tried to bring my A game. We are sponsored in part this week by Sunbasket. Um, if you are endeavoring to eat in a healthy manner, you might be interested in Sunbasket. And today, you can get $35 off your first order when you go to sunbasket.com slash schmanners. Sunbasket 
delivers some organic and some sustainable ingredients right to your door. And you can have 18 recipes to choose from. So that includes recipes that are paleo, gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, like so many, 18, 18 different recipes to choose from. And most of them are ready in about 30 minutes. Sunbasket offers complete and total flexibility where you can cancel, you can skip, and you can choose any size meal plan you want. So go to sunbasket.com slash schmanners today to learn more and get that $35 off for your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash schmanners for $35 off. sunbasket.com slash schmanners. Hey everyone, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, here to tell you about Story Break, a writer's room podcast where every week we, the Hollywood geniuses behind Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Thrill as we weave the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. We're going to double down on everything that made the prequels great. Jar Jar, (laughs) trade federation, (laughs) politics. Gasp as we assemble a pantheon of heroes for the Kellogg Cinematic Universe. We could get rid of Snap, Crackle, Pop. I wouldn't even miss them. You're crazy. They die in the second. Oh, come on. (laughs) And join us as we make fun of Matt as he struggles to name a single Beyonce song. Well, yeah, put a finger on it. Sure, she wants to be Beyonce. Put a finger on it. Beyonce is the famous song. Will we break the story or will the story break us? Find out by joining us in the writer's room every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24-hour Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday. And we'll also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know. Just search Wonderful. Google it, you'll probably get there. Okay, we got a lot of good questions this week. First, I'm going to touch on this one from Rin because it, it touches on what we were talking about before the break, but from a different direction. Uh, Rin asks, can you withdraw yourself from events due to mental health flare-ups? Does this depend on how often these flare-ups occur? I have clinical depression, and I'm often depleted of energy and motivation at unexpected times. I say I'm not feeling well because it's true, but I worry, and I assume that they're... Oh, I, but I worry probably how that was supposed to um i would say yeah totally absolutely Absolutely. we we have all i actually wish i wish i could go back in time um to younger travis and say like hey if you don't want to go to this thing because like you not because you just don't want to go but because like you are dreading interacting with other human beings you don't have to go to this like I didn't it, it, there are many times that I kind of forced myself to go to something I felt like I needed to and I just ended up having a terrible time and like I didn't know at the time but it was because like I was suffering from mental health issues and now I could wish I could go back in time and say like hey it would be healthier for you to just stay in and take care of yourself and do what you need to do to take care of yourself I definitely agree um I also think that if you are missing a lot of social interactions because of this, that I would suggest that you um, take care of yourself in other ways, not just staying at home, but maybe seeing a therapist, maybe discussing with your your GP other options for you, um, because you need to... Uh, 
you need to take care of your whole self. And sometimes what you need is time by yourself. But there are other ways that you can take care of yourself. Um, and if you fear that missing these social interactions are impacting your relationships, maybe find a way that you can interact with people without all of the maybe anxiety or the pressure of big gatherings one-on-one or small groups or like maybe uh, activities that have less pressure. So instead of like a dinner party, just have people over for a movie night, something like that so that you can you can service your whole person. And I think one of the things that makes uh, treating and taking care of yourself when it comes to mental illness flare-ups is it can be a lot harder to tell what the the quote-unquote medicine is. You know what I mean? Because I was going to say, like, for example, if you have a cold, right, you might not want to drink the nasty cough medicine, but you know it's medicine and it's good for you. But you also don't feel like going on a 10-mile jog, and that 10-mile jog would probably be bad for you because you're sick. And it's a little harder to figure that out. I know that I, you know, don't always want to go out when I'm in a depressive episode, but sometimes spending time with friends is what I need, you know? And it can be hard to tell what it is you need. So I, I would say that first and foremost, before you make a decision about, like, whether you need to stay in or not, really think, like... Is it just that I'm feeling like I don't want to or that I need to stay home? And that can be hard to answer sometimes. And that is why there are therapists and counselors and psychiatrists and people to talk to about like, hey, I keep feeling this way over and over again. Am I doing the right thing for myself by staying in and taking care of myself? Or am I giving into this thing and not doing something I need to do? Um, Okay, on a different note, um, let's see. This question comes from Lisa. How much detail is enough when calling slash emailing to take a day off work? I always feel like I'm either giving too much information and being gross or not enough and coming off as insincere. You have come to the right place. I am an expert <laughs> on getting out of work when you are sick. Okay. Wait a minute. What you mean is not getting out of work. Yes, I do. You mean... What do I mean? You mean. What do I mean? You tell me what I mean. Deciding whether you are capable of doing a good job at work or you are too ill. Listen. When you say getting out of work, it sounds like you're faking. No, you have to let me finish because I'm not going to sit here and tell people when they're allowed to take off work or not. No, no, no. What I'm saying is this is how you take off work and not only not get in trouble, but look like a champ. Okay. Here's what you do. (laughs) You have to go to work. No. No, let me finish. All right, fine. You have to go to work and then look sick and pathetic. And then the first time someone says to you, are you okay? You go, yeah, I'm I'm fine. And then they'll push it and you go, well, I I mean, I woke up this morning and I threw up a couple of times, but I didn't want to miss work. And then they'll say, what are you doing here? You need to go home. Like, "I, I just have so much to do. And you make them make you go home. It's tougher. But, like, no one's ever going to give you a hard time the next time you call off sick. Okay. Now, Teresa's giving me a look. So, let me say, here's the thing. This is, I think, uh, uh, one of those areas, a slightly different 
off ramp, but a similar area to when we talk about like when someone is being rude to you and you feel bad because you think telling them that they're being rude is you being rude when that's actually the polite thing to do. Because you are a polite person who cares about politeness, you feel bad asking off work. But it is the right thing to do because missing one day of work to recover and feel better is A, better than going in and getting everybody else at work sick, and B, better than going in and operating at less than optimal capacity for a whole week and making yourself sicker and sicker and sicker the whole time. Okay. So you are doing the right thing by calling out sick to work. But if you want to do it. I like. And, and I, no, that's champ, enough. No. You do that first No, one, don't do it. Trust me. Always works. It's harder for me to call off work now because I work from home for myself. <laughs> right. And I always know when I'm lying. <laughs> I'm okay. sick. No, I'm not. Ah. So for the work call off, um, again, I think it's important that you do it right when you feel sick for two reasons. This gives your superior enough time to perhaps find someone to come in to cover you. Um, And it also gives them the impression that this is not I woke up this morning hungover and just don't want to come in. Um, that you are really ill and it has begun before 10 minutes before you're supposed to be there. Um, also, as far as like telling people how you feel, I think that you can describe your symptoms without being gross, uh, saying symptoms like congestion, right? Instead of saying that your snot's everywhere. And... What would they say on a commercial for the medicine you are taking to treat the thing that you have? You know what I mean? Okay. What 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 symptoms are listed on the cold medicine you are taking? You can probably say it in that form. Yes. Um. So you... fever, fatigue, upset stomach, upset diarrhea, stomach, uh, um... indigestion, <laughs> acid reflux. No, I'm trying to remember what else is on Pepto Bismol. Uh, diarrhea. I said that one. I think I there's something about gas on there. I don't know. Um, you can say nausea. Um, I think that those those sorts of words don't sound too hoity-toity, but they also don't sound gross. When you say hoity-toity, I think you don't mean like ooh la la. No, but they're I, I they're it, not like overly medical. It doesn't terms. sound made up. It right. doesn't sound like you searched like the Mayo Clinic website for symptoms that sound uh, believable. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I also think this is very important. You need to know what the policy of the company is. Absolutely. Because some companies will tell you if you want to call off, you have to go to the doctor. You know, like you have to bring in a doctor's note, which always makes you feel like I'm in school. But I remember that at several of my retail jobs, if I was sick enough to call off of work, I needed to go into the doctor and get treated for it because otherwise I was just staying home if I wasn't trying to treat the thing. So you just need to know what's expected of you. Right. When I worked at um, at a pool, I had to cover my shift um, and I had to call all of my swim lesson participants and let them know that either I could find them a substitute or I would have to reschedule, you know, and that was on me even when I was ill. So you have to figure out, you have to find out what it is you are responsible for. Uh, this question is from Kells. Uh, currently bedridden with the flu and found myself pretty unprepared. Is it rude to ask a friend to go to the grocery store for you to for you to pick up tissues, meds, and food? 
Is it rude? I don't think so. Um, as long as you compensate them. I wouldn't say, please donate a week's worth of flu groceries for me. Um, so is as long as you say you can take my card or I'll give you 20 bucks or or things like that. Um, hopefully you have a good friend who will help you that way. And I also think, keep in mind, once once you have a good enough friendship with someone, the uh, I in my opinion, at least the kind of favor system becomes a lot more amorphous. And it stops being like, well, I did one for you last week and one for you the week. So you owe me two. It's more just like, I know they would do this for me. Exactly. And I have a couple friends that I know would do this for me. If I was like, I can't get out of bed without throwing up and I'm out of stuff and I could call Alice or Justin or Maggie or Kelly and like they would do this for me. And because they also know I would do it for them. So I think it really comes down to that, like. Don't just call the first person in your phone. But if you have those friends, you know who those friends are. I think it's okay. Um, this question is from Kathleen. Should you immediately tell people you're sick or should you only do it if your symptoms are pretty strong? Um, in the interest of not spreading the illness, I would say that if anyone comes, you know, close enough to you that you are, are wary of spreading it, you can tell them, even if it's just coming on, even if it's not very severe, because a lot of people want to know. I don't want to go in for a hug with someone who um, might get me sick, even if they're only like, I don't know, coughing or something. Or if they're just starting to feel not well or just right. getting over it. I, I think that there is, you can go too far with it and be like 1940s movie dramatic about it. Like, no, no. Please, keep your distance. But I think just saying like, oh, we probably shouldn't hug. I, I feel like I'm coming on with something. People appreciate that. They do. Um, Let's see. This question is from Robbie. Robbie asks, I've heard slash seen in some cultures it's common that sick people wear face masks to protect others from their coughs, sneezes, etc. Can you all uh, uh, cover this? I also know, Robbie, that people do that to prevent themselves from getting sick, not just... Uh, keep themselves from getting others sick but like I've seen this on planes and mass transit and anywhere people are kind of packed well, in together no what so here's the thing okay the CDC does not recommend that the general population wear those masks to prevent themselves from getting sick because they're not really very good at that um they are not, you know, it, as far as a barrier goes, it's really not small enough to keep airborne illness like the, the out mesh of you. you mean? Right. Okay. It is, though, recommended for people to keep themselves from getting other people sick. Oh, so like if you cough or like it's not going to spread out. I mean, it's just right. contained in the it's mask. It's about the moisture that's contained in the mask, right? So... Um, uh, the flu, for example, can be carried on water droplets that every time you open your mouth and breathe out and, th and even through your nose, you expel this moisture into the air. Um, and that is what the mask will keep in, right? So it will keep in the moisture that carries the germs, but it's not going to keep airborne germs from coming in. So 
in certain uh, cultures where people do wear those masks, it you can wear them to protect people around you, but it doesn't really protect yourself. Um, and as far as Americans go, this is not something that I've really seen. Um, I think in our culture, a lot more emphasis is put on wash hand washing and hand sanitizing and things like that. Um, and, you know, covering your cough and your sleeve and things like that. Um, and I think that it's, I kind of hate to say this, but it's kind of like maybe we're a little lazy or I, I also maybe would we're a little vain. vain. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to wear those. It's I don't, not a I don't super know. cool look. I can only speak for myself and my experiences, but those are those that's my I would say cents. though I mean listen if you're listening to this and you're thinking about how to be more polite and like you you and some friends are going to a movie or whatever maybe do it you know what I mean I'm thinking about it now especially got a little you know 15 month old running around and I am I'm gonna have to hang out with her one way or the other maybe next time we're sick we should get a pack of these and you know maybe think about it maybe we'll be trendsetters who knows Teresa we could start making designer ones that are so cool and couture and everybody will be wearing cough couture TM 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 <laughs> I don't but know it seems pretty uncomfortable we're gonna do it though for our daughter one more question this is from Shannon um, it, I'm someone who has anxiety and when I get really sick I'm always anxious that I'm not sick enough to call out at what point of sickness is it okay to call out and when should I just suck it up and go in um I would say like I just talked about this idea of like expelling moisture droplets um if at any point you are unable to contain said moisture and like a cough um I I think that that is sick enough um I also think that any sort of um involuntary fluid leakage uh, that you can't contain. You mean like runny nose? No, I mean more of like vomiting and diarrhea. Oh, okay, that too, I guess. That's definitely sick enough. Um, and then also anything that you fear might be contagious. Uh, if you know you've been around people who now have the flu... And you think that what you have might be the flu, that's enough reason to stay home in my book. But you should consult your um, your employee handbooks or your, you know, talk to your manager about this kind of thing. What is acceptable uh, as far as your work environment goes? I will also say and to loop it back around to what I said at the beginning question one of the things that comes along with adulthood and with responsibility, I think I should say, is no one's going to tell you to stay homesick. Um, you know, I remember growing up, my parents at the time seemed to have very strict, like, well, you're not throwing up and you're not running a fever, you're going to school. And I was like, that's, you're so cruel. Um, and now I realized it because I just wanted to stay home from school all the time. Um, but no one's going to tell you to stay home and no one's going to tell you to go to work. And part of it has to come to like, be honest with yourself. Do you really think you need to stay home or do you just want to stay home? And if you make the decision that you need to stay home, you when you call off work, 
you need to not sound like you're apologizing or lying. And that can be really hard because I think that people have a natural tendency to want someone to tell them, no, it's fine. You're not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they want to make their voice sound apologetic. The problem is if you don't sound confident about needing to stay home sick, you are going to sound like you're lying. There's a big difference between, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to come into work today. I'm just too ill. I'm worried that if I come in, I'm going to get everybody else sick and I need time to recover versus, yeah, um, I, I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to come in. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of sick and I, right, like. Right. The, the second se- one sounds a lot less believable. Right. It just sounds like you're lying. <laughs> you want them to say, <laughs> okay. So then you can go party with Ferris Bueller. Don't do that. If you have made the decision and you're going to call in sick. Call in sick. Que sera, sera. I don't, what? How isn't, does that apply? What, but isn't that. Whatever from, will be, will be. I mean, yeah, okay. That's from Ferris Bueller, right? No, Donka Shane. Ah. But you know what? They both apply. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Um, and thank you to everybody who came out to uh, Sketchfest. I know that that was a couple weeks ago now, but we really appreciate it. Super fun show. Now, are you still laughing because you said I'm Kiss Sarah Sarah? I'm still laughing because I said the completely wrong song. But no, it still works. <laughs> you know, whatever will be, will be. It actually works better than Dunk of Shame. <laughs> Thank you for not coughing in my face. Dunk of Shame. Um... <laughs> Now I forgot what I said. You can follow us. Sketchfest. Sketchfest. Thank you. You can follow us at Schwainer's Cast. Oh, yes. I remember now. Um, I'm going to be at the John and Jean show this Thursday at the Bell House. Um, It's John Hodgman and Jean Grey. And I'm going to be there. And I don't know. Other people might be too. But does that really matter? You can go to um, bit.ly slash Travis J and J. Uh, and get tickets, or you can just search John and Jean Bellhouse and find them and come hang out this Thursday. I will also be at the Hinterlands Bar in Brooklyn beforehand from about five to six. That's Stuart Wellington's bar if you want to stop by and say hi. Stuart Wellington of the Flop House yes. and Max Fun Show. Yes, speaking of, go check out all the other amazing MaximumFun.org shows. They're all incredible. And it seems like every day we have new ones. So if you haven't been over there in a while to check them out, you are missing out. Um, speaking of missing out, Time is running out for you to get your cabin on the Joko cruise. Only a couple of weeks now. Pretty soon we're going to be we're not going to be pushing it anymore. You're going to miss out. So go check it out if you haven't yet. Go to jococruise.com, jococruise.com. Check it out. I'm getting really excited about it. I cannot wait. We get Amazon packages every day. A new fun exciting cruise thing. I am far too overprepared. Oh, goodness. Oh, gracious. It's my first cruise, and I just want to do it right. Um, Let's see. What else, Teresa? Well, I want to say a great big thank you to everyone who sent us such lovely, like, Christmas cards, holiday cards, candle nights cards, uh, thank you cards, just, you know, for being us, which is great. We we read and appreciate all of those cards. Um, Thank you also if you felt moved to send us any gifts we appreciate those too. I will be putting up on the Facebook group my my running list, um, and I'll have Travis tweet that out. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, also, 
Thank you to Brent Brentelfoss Black for our theme music. It is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Keely Weiss Photography for the banner for our fan run uh, Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. And you can join that Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Lots of polite people giving advice to other polite people. And that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.